0: You know, Johnny, the club just won't be the same now that Graham Taylor isn't around. Aye, that's true, Henry. He was, by far, our greatest ever manager. (coughs) (coughs) What? Oh, yes, well, obviously he never took a Watford team through an entire season unbeaten, like you did, Mr. Goodall. Correct, Henry. But you can't deny that G.T. really was jolly good. There won't be another like him for the whole of eternity. Maybe so, Henry. But keep an eye on the present incumbent. I think we'll be remembering him for a very long time. Really? The man we've got now? Aye, really. Him? Dave Bassett? Definitely. There's no doubt at all in my mind. Dave Bassett will have a huge and immediate impact on this club. Hornet Heaven Series 3, Episode 1 The Great Man is Gone Earth Season 1987 88, written by Mike Smart and Ollie Wickham. In Hornet Heaven, on August the 15th, 1987, an elderly man stood with an elderly woman on the crowded family terrace. It was Watford's first match after Graham Taylor had departed a certain sadness seemed to hover over the terrace. There was also an air of unease about whether the new people in charge would carry on doing things in the same way as Taylor. But the pair of elderly fans were bothered by a more immediate concern. Oh dear, I can't see Tom and Mark anywhere. They have to be here. It's the first day of the season and everyone needs to rally round now that GT isn't with us anymore. Go and search again. Maybe they're on holiday. People in the land of the living do have other things to do, you know. Only lightweights have other things to do when Watford are playing at home. And no member of this family, living or dead, has any business being a lightweight. Go and find Tom and Mark. Go on. Do what I say, child. The elderly man rolled his eyes at the elderly woman. I'm not a child, mother. I was 72 when I died. Well, you're behaving like a particularly daft child, if you think it's at all acceptable that two descendants of mine might be missing a home game. We're a Watford family. Always have been, always will be. You're overreacting, mother. Cut them some slack. If Tom and Mark aren't here, it's bound to be for a good reason. Goodness, child, you need to change your attitude. It's as sloppy as this Trevor Senior's close control. I'm beginning to think that the reason your son and grandson aren't here is precisely because they've inherited your lackadaisical approach to life. Honestly, Mother, there have been events beyond their control. Anything could have happened to them. Oh, no. What? Maybe. Maybe they're not out there in the land of the living because... I need to find out. Stop! Where are you going? You can't miss a Watford game. You're disgracing the family. Come back! The elderly man was a Watford fan called Neville Simpson, who died a year earlier in 1986. Now he emerged from the ancient turnstile onto Occupation Road but instead of turning left, up the slope towards the programme hut, Neville turned right and walked down the pothole road past the grubby garages. After a few yards, he found himself going from the eternal sunshine of Hornet Heaven into the ashen half-light of the limbo where new arrivals materialised. He whispered to himself, Please, don't let them be here. Not yet. Please. Neville stopped and waited anxiously in the gloom. He wanted to speak to Lamper, Hornet Heaven's chief steward, a former hooligan, whose job it was to meet all new residents as they arrived. Soon he heard footsteps behind him. But it wasn't Lamper. There you are, child! Mother? You're missing the match. I thought you said... I'm permitting myself to watch it later. I've come to help you find Tom and Mark. It'll be super if they're in Hornet Heaven already. Super? It'll be terrible. Tom's only 43. Mark's only 12. They're far too young. Being in Hornet Heaven will be good for them. No distractions. They'll never miss another Watford game. No disgracing the family. You're actually wishing them dead. How could you? Tom and Mark have got long lives ahead of them on earth. Their lives go far beyond just watching Watford. They've got richer, more varied lives than that. Oi! What's going on here? Neville and his mother turned to see the snarling face of Lamper, the steward, leering at them through the twilight. You ain't allowed down here want some, do ya? No, not at all, Lamper. We just need to speak to you. Now, oh, bollocks. You see, now Taylor's gone, I was hoping we could drop all this community togetherness and get a massive rut going. Good old knuckle, like you don't get on the family bleeding terrace what Mr. Goody Goody Graham Taylor brought in. Neville's mother, Florence Simpson, pushed her son aside. "'How dare you, steward! How dare you disrespect Mr Taylor's legacy to this club, you ugly yob! This is more like it! Bring it on, you worried old hag!' Lamper and Florence moved menacingly towards each other. Neville jumped between them to separate them. "'Calm down, both of you! This isn't the right time!' We're here because something terrible may have happened. Lamper and Florence backed away from each other, scowling. Lamper, we need to know whether my son and grandson, Tom and Mark, have recently arrived in Hornet Heaven. They're younger generation. Oh, like a scrap, do they? Please, just answer the question. Have they arrived? Nah. They ain't. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I want to spend eternity with them, but not yet. Lamper skulked off into the shadows. Neville said to his mother, I'm so relieved, Mother. They're still alive. Well, I'm not relieved. If they haven't died, they've got no reason for missing a home game. It's shocking. Mother... That's not... You've let your son and grandson get out of control. You need to fix things. The integrity of this family depends on it. Briskly, Florence turned and headed up the slope, out of the dusk and back towards the brightness of Hornet Heaven. Neville stood in the gloom and watched his mother go. She wasn't normally as bad as this. He couldn't work out what had got into her. If anything needed fixing, he reckoned, it was Florence Simpson. Three days later, Neville went to see Bill Mainwood in his program hut. He needed the wise old bird's advice. I don't know what to do about mother. Her views have suddenly become more extreme on loyalty to Watford, on loyalty to the family. Yes, we're seeing a lot of this at the moment. It's a grief reaction. Grief? But we haven't suffered a family loss. Ah, but we have. We all have. Graham Taylor is gone. Emotionally, It's a lot for people to cope with. Everybody loved him, more than they realised. But GT's only gone to Villa, and we've got Dave Bassett now. He won his first match. He's a straight replacement, isn't he? Well, that's an interesting question. Can GT ever be replaced? He transformed this club. He gave it a meaning in our lives that it never had before. That's true, but, you see, your mother's reaction suggests to me that she's unsettled at Graham's going. At this time of change, she's clinging to what she knows. Watford and family have become more important to her than ever. Neville thought about this what Bill was saying made some sense suddenly someone called out from the back of the hut programs in Bill fetched two copies of that evening's game at Nottingham Forest and handed them to Neville Bill said take her to the city ground Neville and look after her Neville and Florence stood in the away section at Nottingham Forest and watched Dave Bassett's second match in charge. Watford lost 1-0 under the floodlights. Something seemed to be missing about the performance. Neville hadn't bothered looking out for his son and grandson because Tom and Mark never travelled to away games. But at the final whistle, he suddenly saw them on the terrace. Mother! Look, there they are, at an away game, marvellous, they are Watford after all, it's in their blood. The two of them rushed over to eavesdrop on the two living Simpsons. They heard Mark say, away games are rubbish, Dad, Florence laughed indulgently. ''Yeah, sweet boy. In this family, when you're Watford through and through, rubbish games simply aren't a problem. You just stick with the club.'' In the land of the living, Mark's father, Tom, said, ''Away games weren't so rubbish under Graham Taylor. We always gave them much more of a go. But I guess we're going to have to get used to them, lad, given that we won't be going to many more home games.'' Neville and Florence turned to each other. Florence shrieked. What? That's completely unacceptable. Shush, Mother. Listen, we need to know more. They've got all the loyalty of... of... Mo Johnston. Tom continued speaking to Mark. At least we haven't got as long a journey home as the other Watford fans. At this time of night, it's only an hour back to Birmingham. They've... moved to... Birmingham? But we're a Watford family. Florence made a noise. Neville had never heard her make before. She covered her face with her hands. Neville put her hand on his mother's shoulder. She shrugged it off and marched back towards the ancient turnstile. Tears streaming. When Neville arrived back on Occupation Road he tried to work out why Tom and Mark would have moved to Birmingham. He half wondered if they'd loved Graham Taylor so much that they'd followed him there, now that the great man was at Villa. Neville dismissed the thought. GT was indeed a great man, but football fans' loyalties always remained attached to a club, despite changes in personnel. Didn't they? Neville walked up the slope and found his mother. She was sitting on the step of the Red Lion pub, She looked inconsolable. He sat down beside her. "'Everything's fallen apart,' she said. "'Ever since we lost GT, nothing will ever be the same again.' Neville took his mother's hand. They sat in silence for a while. Then Florence said, "'I'm starting to feel my season ticket has no value any more.' At first, Neville didn't understand. No one in Ornith Evan had season tickets. They had programmes instead. You did keep my season ticket, didn't you? Now Neville realised what his mother was talking about. She meant her first season ticket from 1920-21. It had been small, slim and blue like a tiny hardback book without pages. The outside was embossed. The inside stated that it admitted her to the ground and stand at Cassio Road. Neville said, ''Of course I kept it, Mother.'' The season ticket had been something of an heirloom in their family. Florence had left it to Neville when she died in 1948. Unfortunately, His own recent death had been sudden and he had no idea what would have happened to the season ticket since. So he moved the conversation on. He said, I'm sure Tom and Mark still love the club, mother. Florence looked at him through her tears. Neville could tell there was something she was finding it difficult to say. Eventually, she found the strength to say it. I hope they still love the club. It's just that without GT around the place anymore, I'm not sure I can. Florence gulped back a deep sob. Neville sat with her in the doorway of the Red Lion and held her. Over the next few weeks, Florence's sorrow turned to anger. Bassett sold Taylor's last ever signing, Richard Hill. Bassett sold one of the stars of Taylor's last season, David Bardsley. The season wasn't going well. Watford had only won two league games by the end of September. On October 3rd in the programme hut, Neville handed Florence a programme to the away game at Coventry his mother was at breaking point. No. I don't want to go. Bassett's destroying our club game by game. I don't want to witness it. But it's an away game near Birmingham. Tom and Mark should be there. You want to see your family, don't you? That'll cheer you up. No, it won't. The club isn't the same. And Tom and Mark aren't the same. They've betrayed us. They've become long-distance fans. Steady on, there's nothing wrong with long-distance fans have no commitment. Mother, that's not no passion. You're generalising, Mother. They're not proper Watford people. Florence was barely holding herself together. Neville took her gently by the hand. Florence looked down at his hand and nodded. Her son was probably right. Seeing her loved ones would make her feel better. She let him lead her towards the ancient turnstile. As soon as they took their places in the away end at Highfield Road, Neville saw what he wanted to see. He said brightly, There we are, mother. There's Tom. Florence peered across. But where's young Mark? They went over and stood next to Tom. Mark was nowhere to be seen. Well, that's it then. He's lost. Oh, Mother, we haven't even started looking for him yet. Lost to the club, I mean. Lost to the family. The words hit Neville hard. He knew that young Mark was in his formative years as a football fan. The boy's absence was a bad sign. I'm sure he isn't lost, Neville said, trying to convince himself as much as his mother. Let me go and look for him. Neville searched the away terrace from side to side. He was just about to give up when he heard Mark's voice. His heart lifted. He turned, smiling, in the direction Mark's voice had come from. He found he was looking into the next section along. He frowned. This was the home section. Now he spotted Mark, standing with a group of boys, school friends from the West Midlands, presumably, who were wearing, light blue scarves Mark was laughing and joking with them clearly part of the group the shock hit Neville like a hammer blow his grandson was now a Coventry fan he felt dazed he found himself staggering down the terrace and he found himself on the pitch in Coventry's penalty area A Gary Porter through ball, which the lumbering Trevor Senior completely missed, rolled into Neville's path. Neville could have put Watford into the lead if he hadn't been dazed, dead and marginally offside. Instead, he collapsed to the turf, as comprehensively as Watford Football Club were collapsing in Graham Taylor's absence. Neville became aware of his mother, helping him to his feet. My darling son, are you all right? I was so worried. You went down like Albert McLenahan taking a throwing. Neville looked around at the crowd of 16,000 real world people. He knew they couldn't see him, but he still felt humiliated. This is all Tom's fault, he said and marched back into the away section to confront his son. Tom was reading the programme, completely oblivious to his father, but that didn't stop Neville. Neville said, ''This has gone far enough, Tom. My mother made sure her son was a hornet. I made sure my son was a hornet. You have to make sure your son is a hornet. Watford is all about continuity.'' Tom looked up and glanced at the pitch. He yelled, ''Come on, senior! My dad could run faster than that!'' Neville was flattered to hear he was still in his son's thoughts. But he wasn't to be deterred. He continued, ''Listen to me, son. You have to find a way to show Mark what it means to be a Watford fan. I know Taylor's gone. I know Bassett's wrecking the place.'' But what Taylor built was so good, it can't be destroyed. It mustn't be destroyed. It needs to be carried on for generations. Neville paused. For a moment, Tom had a wistful look in his eye, almost as if he'd heard his father. But he hadn't heard his father. He'd just seen Tony Agana go on a mazy run and dribble the ball into touch. Tom went back to reading his programme. Neville felt powerless. At the end of Watford's latest defeat, he watched Tom make his way to the exit. He called after him. Please, son. Talk to your boy. Show him what Watford means to you. To all of us. Do whatever it takes! Keep our Watford family together! But Tom didn't hear and disappeared back home to Birmingham. More defeats followed under Dave Bassett's management. By December, Watford were in the relegation zone with just three wins since the opening day of the season. On December the 12th, Neville and Florence went to the 1-0 home defeat against Luton Town. It was especially painful. They were glad that Tom and Mark weren't there to see it. But one of the conversations they overheard on the family terrace did make them feel a little better. Blimey, a man said, staring bleakly at the pitch. I wouldn't go to the end of my road to watch this rubbish... Speak for yourself, mate. I've travelled a bit further than that. Christ! You haven't come all the way from Australia, have you? You poor bugger. Brisbane, mate. Thirty hours of travel. Florence turned to Neville in amazement. That's long distance. Just to see the mighty horns, mate. That's commitment. Commitment. I've been looking forward to this for three years since I last came. Every single day. Couldn't wait to be at Vicarage Road again. And you know what? Despite what's happening on the pitch, I can't wait for my next trip either. That's passion. Neville raised a smile. And even though Watford had lost to the filthy hatters, both Neville and Florence left the ground feeling a little more hopeful that their descendants, no matter how far flung, would always keep Watford in their hearts. Over the next three weeks, things got worse. The defeats continued. More symbolically, though, Bassett dropped Tony Coton the winner of the Player of the Season Award for both of the last two seasons of Graham Taylor's reign and arguably the great man's finest ever purchase. In early January 1988, Florence sat down in the Supporters Club bar with Henry Grover, the man who founded Watford Rovers in 1881. She wanted him to take action over the crisis at the father of the club seemed distracted why aren't you listening to me Mr Grover Hmm? sorry I do beg your pardon why are you gazing at the wall ah I was just admiring the paint effect on the new wallpaper rag rolling I think it's called very 1988 and so effective in soft pastel shades quite sublime shut up and listen to me you're our leader you need to intervene to save the club from dave bassett all graham taylor's good work is being undone my future descendants are in danger of not being watford fans i won't have it i see well i genuinely wish i could intervene "'People have been requesting it for years, even when Graham Taylor was here. "'Last season, Skilly Williams begged me to find a way to let him play in goal "'in the FA Cup semi-final instead of Gary Plumley, "'And I myself was desperate to do something about Nigel Callahan's hairstyle. "'But something must be done. "'Since the summer, my great-grandson hasn't moved any further afield than Birmingham.' but he's still getting more distant from the club with every passing day. Henry shook his head sadly. I really don't know what to advise. We can't expect Graham Taylor to come back again and make the club what it was, what it should be, forever. We just have to hope someone else will do it for us. Now it was Florence's turn to gaze at the rag-rolled pastel wall-covering. In despair. Eighty-three-year-old Henry gently patted the back of her hand. Keep the faith, young lady. Keep the faith. The day that everything changed, was Tuesday the 12th of January. Neville and Florence trudged reluctantly down Occupation Road and went through the ancient turnstile to Booth Ferry Park for Watford's FA Cup third round replay against 2nd Division Hull City. All the signs were that Watford would be on the wrong end of a giant killing. Very un-Graham Taylor. But as soon as they arrived, there was a buzz in the Watford End among fans from the land of the living. Neville and Florence immediately eavesdropped on a father and son. Ally bloody luya," the father said. "What, dad? It's just been announced. Bassett's been sacked. Tom Wally's in charge tonight. Ally bloody luya." Neville turned to Florence in excitement. Florence grabbed Neville. He grabbed her. They jumped up and down. Watford could now be Watford again. The following Saturday, January the 16th, Watford had an away match at Wimbledon. Neville and Florence hurried down Occupation Road on their way to the ancient turnstile. As soon as they arrived in the away end at Plough Lane, they heard the news. The club had a new manager, Steve Harrison, Watford's coach from the Taylor years. A Graham Taylor man. Neville hugged his mother. Then, over her shoulder, he saw something he hadn't expected to see. It was Tom and Mark. Neville squealed with delight. He grabbed his mother's hand and took her over to stand with their descendants. When the match kicked off, Neville noticed that his mother wasn't watching the game. She was watching Tom and Mark. And she was wiping away tear after tear. Neville wondered what had brought Tom and Mark to the game. Obviously, they'd have heard that Bassett had been fired. But had that been enough? He listened out for clues, but heard nothing. For the next 90 minutes, the game went well. With Bassett gone and a Graham Taylor man at the helm, Watford actually won. 2-1. It was only three points, but the fans celebrated like they'd gained something far more significant. After the final whistle, Neville heard Tom say. So, what do you think, lad? Worth the trip? Mark said eagerly. When's the next one? Well, if we beat Hull in the second replay, the next round of the cup is back at Coventry. Nice and local. Brilliant. Count me in. I will. As long as you join me in the away end this time. Mark grinned and started rummaging in his coat pocket. He pulled out something small, slim and blue, like a tiny hardback book without pages. Neville and Florence stared at her 1920-21 season ticket. Mark waved the season ticket at his father and said with a twinkle in his eye, with well, this thing you gave me, they'll let me in to the Watford then for free, won't they? Momentarily, Florence Simpson lost sight of her descendants. Her vision was too blurred. She couldn't see for happiness. Her fierce anger and her extreme views about loyalty and family were washed away. Neville fought back the emotion of the moment. He was so proud of his son. Tom had done exactly what Neville had asked him to do on the terrace at Highfield Road back in October. Tom had given Mark the season ticket to show what Watford meant to him. Meant to all of the family. He'd kept the Watford family together. You know, Johnny... You were absolutely right about Bassett. He did have a huge and immediate impact at the club and will definitely be remembering him for a very long time. Just not in a good way. I'm not often wrong, Henry. And I'll tell you this, too. Watford Football Club is going to survive without Graham Taylor. What he built into the fabric of the club is so strong that it will last forever. Whoever's in charge. We're going to miss him awfully, though, aren't we? Of course we are. This is just our first season after he's gone. There'll be many more for the rest of eternity. But how will we cope, Johnny? Extremely well, Henry. As long as we concentrate on what he taught us. He's a fantastic human being. But he left us values that can outlive anyone on Earth, sustaining this club forever. We just need to focus on those. Golly, Johnny, you do know everything. So, um, one last question. An important one. Will we ever beat Luton again? At any point before the end of time? As of 1987, it really doesn't look like we will. Ah, Henry. Everything is going to be fine. And at times, it will be very fine indeed. End of episode. The next episode from Hornet Heaven will be Series 3, Episode 2. Up for the Cup. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wicken. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wicken.